This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. For the last few weeks, I have asked you to help me serve you better by answering a listener survey at graceenoughpodcast.com slash survey. As I've read through the responses, here are the few consistent themes I've noticed. Deep conversations, authenticity and depth. You dig deep into hard topics, thoughtful and sincere questions, authenticity and humor. Knowing what draws you to the show helps me in planning and preparing for future guests. So thank you for taking the time to respond. The survey is open through May 23rd, 2023. And as a thank you, you'll be entered to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Visit graceenoughpodcast.com slash survey to submit your feedback. Today's guest is Katie Ferris. Katie is familiar with the unexpected sorrows of motherhood. While her experience involves unexpected medical diagnoses, she knows every mother's story is unique. In her book, Unexpected Sorrows of Motherhood, Katie offers a biblical context for suffering and hope. She answers common questions and addresses prevalent temptations and lies that mothers often face. And those are the things that we discuss in today's conversation. Good morning, Katie, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Good morning, Amber. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit about your journey first with Jesus. I always ask this question briefly. How did you come to know Christ? Tell me a little bit about your early faith walk. So I am one of those who grew up in a Christian home, meaning that both of my parents were believers uh, before I was born. Uh, So many blessings. Actually, uh, our family dinner time reading right now is a book called Growing Up Christian, because uh, we want to talk through this with our own children, our own family right now, just the blessings and privileges, but also some of the challenges that can come with growing up in an environment where the gospel and truth about Jesus is just taught from an early age. So it's like just the environment that you are surrounded by. So yes, so many wonderful blessings of that. And for my own faith journey, I remember hearing the gospel in a sermon that was preached in Mm -hmm. my church. And I remember just my heart responding to that as early as, you know, four or five years old. Yeah praying by the couch in the living room, asking the Lord to be my savior and to save me, rescue me from my sins. Uh, But I think growing up in a Christian home, while, like I said, there are so many privileges, hearing the Bible stories at a young age, growing up, going to things like 
we had something Awana. called Awana. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> We're on the same page. Okay. Um, memorizing scripture at a young age, you know, hiding that in my heart, uh, going to Christian camps in the summer. So I really grew up in that uh, environment, but I reached a point in my high school years where there really was that crisis of faith, if you want to yeah. call it that, of, is this really what I believe? Is this yeah. really true? Because it's all I've ever known. And so definitely went through a season of asking a lot of questions and conversation with the Lord, with my parents, with other friends at church, just trying to, you know, have like a deeper assurance of my salvation. Yeah. And also just to know this is not just my parents' faith, but the Lord has called me his daughter. And so, yeah, yeah that's a lot of my story. Yeah. I mean, I love it because of all the people I talk to. I mean, there's all kinds of different Mm-hmm. ways that people have come to know Christ. But almost every time when someone has been raised in a Christian home, they say exactly what you said. And I think we need to normalize that that's part of the maturation process. That's part of sanctification. Kids do that in every other aspect of their life where this is my parents and we do what my parents say. And now I got to figure out if that's how I, and I'm talking not about faith, just am I going to behave the way my parents have instructed me? Am I going to believe or have the same faith? Am I going to follow in their footsteps in this way? Or am I going to go a different way? So it's just so normal and healthy, Mm -hmm. right? To really make it your own. And so I'm interested actually about the growing up in a Christian family. How old are your kids? Our oldest is turning 17 in a couple of weeks. And then our baby is turning six in a couple of weeks. So, okay. Yeah. So is it, it's a good book for all different ages? It is. I mean, the youngest child doesn't catch everything, but she's still part <laughs> of the conversation. Oh yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, sorry. Yeah. Ages right now would be 16, 14, 12, 10, and then almost six. So yeah. yes, especially for that older group of kids, it's been good. We're going through it really slow. We just, I mean, we don't even read a chapter at a time. We read a section. Sometimes we're looking up a scripture, but sometimes we just park on one question and it's just been really good to engage our kids, hear oh. their thoughts. Yeah. I love to learn that because now I'm like, I'll probably go get that book and we'll start <laughs> doing that when we're finished with what we're doing now. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, well, We're going to talk a little bit about the unexpected sorrow of motherhood, and you've written a book about that that's called God is Still Good, Gospel, Hope, and Comfort for the Unexpected Sorrows of Motherhood. And I think when we're becoming parents or when we're looking forward to that, we mostly think of the joy, the anticipation, rarely the potential trials. And so... Let's start out with what have been some of the unexpected sorrows in your journey as a mother? Oh, it's so true. I, you know, I can so relate to having this glorious vision of motherhood. And, you know, I'm a mom of five and I do love being a mom. I think it's a wonderful privilege. I would even think of it as, you know, a calling, you know, 
being called to be a mom and uh, that it's a godly calling. It's really a wonderful thing, but our journey has definitely uh, included some unexpected twists and turns. And uh, for us, most of them surround medical diagnoses involving our children. We've walked through uh, the diagnosis of three of our children with the same mm. serious genetic condition. And then two of our children, you know, down the road later realize uh, there's an autoimmune disease. And then there just been other medical things along the way. So when I think of unexpected sorrows of motherhood, my mind goes to medical situations. But I know that sorrows of motherhood can look different for so many different women and become to motherhood, come into motherhood from so many different backgrounds and situations. And so uh, I think the sorrows we can encounter can be similar. They can look different, but yeah, there's a broad range. (laughs) That's right. I mean, a lot of it really comes down to some unmet expectations, right? That, I mean, you just naturally have, and then some we set up that are unrealistic expectations. Right. Some of them is, you know, we do have a beautiful picture of it and it is beautiful, but like you said, with the medical diagnosis, a dear friend of mine that I, well, I grew up babysitting her, which seems crazy because now she's an adult <laughs> and has like a five-year-old child. But so she's a friend now. And, um, you know, the realization within the first year of her son's life that he had some really severe medical issues was such a hard thing to grapple with. And I just remember watching that from afar and that being really the first time. Mm-hmm. And thinking like, that's just a lot to wrestle through. So when you first received those diagnoses, mm-hmm. what were some of those things that you really had to say, okay, back when I was in high school, I made my faith my own, but this is a whole nother layer of, do I believe that God is who he says he is in the midst of this? Um, that's a loaded question. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and even hearing it, you know. Um, I have just different images that come to my mind, different memories, you know, so I, I do, I go all the way back to high school. I remember having a conversation with the Lord, with my Bible open and just that point where the Lord spoke through his word and the faith did become my own in a different way. And even in that moment thinking, you know what? The difference is that I have Jesus. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to be hard in life, but it means that I'll have him with me. So I'm going to walk through even these hard things with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you jump ahead to 15 years later, these diagnosed. So the first serious diagnosis came in 2013 mm-hmm. and uh, it started with one child being diagnosed. And then because it was a genetic condition, our whole family was tested. So there's that period of waiting. Does my husband have this condition? Do I have it? Do other children have it? And just the not knowing. So you have, I mean, I remember for me, just that anxiety, that fear, that uh, just the unknown. And then when the results did come in and we found out we had four children at the time. So one, we already knew had it. And then found out two of our other children had it as well. So then there's like all those questions of not that I want it to be my husband or me, but why couldn't have been one of us instead of one of the kids, you know, and just, those are like the real raw kinds of stuff that was running through my head in that moment. I remember getting the phone call that these two additional children um, had the condition and just, you know, putting my head on the dining room table, 
and calling my husband home from work because it was the middle of the afternoon. And just like, okay, I can't really even think beyond that. So he came home. We had a front porch at the time. We just sat on the porch while the kids were inside and just wept together on the porch. And yet even in that, just weeping, not understanding, not able to process what was going on, Mm -hmm. not knowing what tomorrow would bring, the Lord had already prepared us so that, you know, in that moment, we just were able to pause and pray and just Mm -hmm. invite him. You know, he's already there. He already our children are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he knew them from the, the moment they were conceived. And uh, so th- what was new to us was not new to him and just coming and pouring out our hearts before him and inviting him to do something in our sorrow, but just, you know, wanting his comfort, but also just giving this to him saying, you know, we're yours. Our kids are yours. Our family's yours. Our marriage is yours. We don't know what this means now going forward. We didn't see this coming, but mm-hmm. be with us and walk us through this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the following months beyond that were really challenging on yeah. so many levels. Felt disconnected, um, isolated yeah. in different ways, you know, because my one child's diagnosis had been be- through an illness. We were still in pre-COVID days, you know, semi-quarantined at home, waiting for him to recover. So I felt isolated from my church community, processing a lot of this, but you know, the mm-hmm. Lord was there and, um, and he's continued to be, but yeah, there were, there was a lot of questions, um, because of the nature of their condition. Uh, we just didn't know how it would play out over time, what it would yeah. mean for them. It has the potential to impact the liver or the lungs over time. So, you know, I have, images, my mind just naturally ran ahead 20 years. Like, will my kids be able to, to play sports? Will they be able to get married? Will they be able, like you just all those kinds of things. So my head ran so many different directions, but you know, now it's 10 years since that diagnosis. And there have been other hard days that we've walked through as well since then, but we've also just experienced the Lord be faithful just as the situations were unexpected, you know, experiencing unexpected grace as well yeah, um, yeah. on the journey. So I'll stop there. <laughs> well, and I think what I always like to convey to people who listen to this show is that you can journey with Jesus and cling mm. to him even when you're asking a hard question. Now, I'm not going to say that you were asking questions I know for me, some questions I've walked through is like, God, are do I really believe you're good in mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And I can ask that question of him and still believe in him. And that is where you write quite a bit about prayers of lament and mm-hmm. how they helped you in your journey. And if anyone has read some of David's laments, if you've read Lamentations, at the end, he comes back around to praising God. But in the beginning, it really is things like, how long, oh Lord, will you forget me? Mm-hmm. So we can act like we can ask those things, mm-hmm. yet still be praising and believing that he is faithful. And so share a little bit about how you really, util- I don't utilize this such a, not the word I want to use, but it's just the one coming to mind. Mm-hmm. Prayers of lament early on, maybe even now, and how you would encourage someone, a mother who is going through her own sorrow in motherhood. After that first diagnosis, that initial diagnosis for their kids, I don't think I would have even 
really had a category for prayers of lament. So Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been thinking in those terms, but I think that's what was happening. So, you know, I think just as I read scripture, as I read Psalms, which was a place that I went to in that time, I went to Job who asks lots of questions. So I was reading Job and, um, yeah, you mentioned lamentations, but so I think just opening up my Bible and Mm -hmm. engaging scripture, that's what was happening. It was in relationship with the Lord experiencing just like these biblical characters did freedom to bring to pour out my heart to the Lord, just to bring it all because I have a relationship with a loving heavenly father who allows and invites and welcomes me to do that. So I think that was happening um, even while, and even part of that being the questions and just going to him, because I really didn't know where else to go with those questions. Other people couldn't give me answers. They didn't know. Um, So going to the Lord with that. But I think over time, as I've heard more conversation about lament and what biblical lament is mm-hmm. in the Christian community, I think is able to maybe put more of those labels onto that process. And then I experienced, and I share about this in my book, I experienced a miscarriage five years ago. And, you know, I'll be real honest here, you know, it, it was not a unexpected pregnancy. It was, and so there was just the wrapping my mind around that. And then experiencing that loss. And one of the things that it pointed out for me was not just the loss of this child I'd never known, but there was also a grief involved with realizing that given my other children's conditions, there had been this buildup of grief in my heart that maybe hadn't Mm -hmm. been addressed related to, again, those anxieties, those fears of other potential premature losses. And so this particular grief, actually the Lord in his kindness used to help me work through and address some of these other fears, concerns, anxieties, this pain inside of me related to this other grief, like a grief that I probably been carrying and not called grief of just One, there were probably some, like a loss of those expectations of what I thought motherhood in those years would have looked like. So instead of doing X, Y, and Z with my kids, we were going to specialist appointments and we were doing, you know, or just schedule was filled differently. So there were losses there. So, you know, that was a grief, but then also the the unknown and trusting the Lord with that. So Mm -hmm. that would be a season of just intentionally practicing lament, bringing my prayers, bringing my pain, bringing my fears before the Lord. And then even I think the process of writing some of these books is you know, done some of that, you know, been part of that of, as the Lord has comforted me being able to try to share some of that comfort with others, Mm -hmm. um, and even process and work through loss and the grief related to some of the more painful parts of motherhood of just loving kids so much and it being hard when they walk through hard things. Yeah. So for, to your point of just, uh, how would I speak to someone else who's going through that? 
I mean, there's so many other places you can go, but I would start with scripture. <laughs> I would right. open up the Psalms. Mm-hmm. I would, maybe it's one Psalm a day. Maybe it's yeah. one Psalm that you read over and over again yes. for a week, you know, and you just chew on it. You meditate on that passage and ask the Lord to work it into your heart. I think mm-hmm. that would be one of the first places I would encourage someone to go. And then, you know, it's also for me been a blessing to be part of gospel preaching, believing church and to have, you know, my husband and, and then also other people in the church body able to walk alongside of us in Mm -hmm. some of these things to counsel, encourage our hearts and also just do life together. So I'm grateful for that in the grief process as well. So I would encourage someone if they're not part of a church or, you know, don't have someone just to be looking for a Christian who could be praying for them, helping them through this time. Yeah. I mean, and that's such a crucial thing, particularly with diagnoses, I think, because sometimes people don't understand what you're walking through. And so if you are a part of a church that you love and and all of a sudden you're feeling hurt a little bit, extend those people some grace too, because sometimes people are just trying to understand what's going on with you and they might not, but they want to serve you and love you. And, um, yeah, there's some patience that sometimes can come along with that, right? Like we can get real frustrated. Well, they don't understand, or they're just sweeping it under the rug. And it's like, mm-hmm. we got to extend a little bit of grace there as people try to love us in our pain. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Well, something else that I really appreciate that you write in the book and then you include the list at the end mm-hmm. are 10 lies and truths that are common to suffering moms. And so of the 10 that you list, what are a few, I don't know, just pull out a few of those, maybe ones that you really personally struggled with. And then the value of really identifying that as a lie and making sure that you find that gospel truth that goes along with it. I talk about this in the text of the book, but then there's also an appendix Mm -hmm. at the end that's in a chart form. So that's what I'm looking at. And there's a column with a lie. And then Mm -hmm. the column to the right has truth. And then the third column is God's word. So just for some examples, uh, the first lie that's listed is the trial is my enemy. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's one that, you know, I have felt 
over the years is that my circumstance, you know, particularly a child's diagnosis, but it really can be anything that we're walking through that's hard. And to feel like that is what I'm up against and that that is, you know, I I think even a relational conflict, it can be easy to see the other person as the enemy sometimes. So whatever the trial is, whatever the circumstance, whatever the conflict is to see that as the issue. But, you know, if we open our Bibles, it tells us that our real enemy isn't Mm -hmm. whatever we're going through. These trials are the results of living in a fallen world. And really it's the evil one. It's Satan who is our real enemy. So instead of getting upset at the circumstances, getting upset at the person, just being able to step back and ask the Lord for his help in our situation and to trust him. And, you know, he's the one who's already defeated Satan. You know, the Lord Jesus has crushed the head of the serpent. You know, he's been to the cross. And so death is defeated, but we still live with the effects of sin living in this fallen world until final redemption when um, we're with Christ. And so in the meantime, we are still experiencing the effects of our enemies' works. So I'm looking then next to, so I have the lies, the trial is my enemy, then the truth is no, really Satan's my enemy. And then God's word says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, mm. you know, just remembering that that's, what's true yeah. can help me then in my situation mm-hmm. to entrust it to the Lord. Who's really the one who can fight for me. So that's an example. That is one though, that I think I've had to remind myself of in multiple situations. And I'll just go to number two as well. Sure. My trial and suffering, this would be the lie that I'm tempted to believe. My trial and suffering mean that God doesn't love me. And I think that's Mm, that's a common one that's common. Exactly. I think we can feel that we can, if we're experiencing hurt or pain is like, well, how could someone who loves me allow this? Um, How can those two coexist? And yet again, if we stop and we look at the full story of scripture, The Bible tells us that God does love us. He's proven his love to us in sending Jesus. And the scripture verse that I like to go to here is Romans 8, 37 through 39, which reminds us that no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so my trial and suffering don't mean that God doesn't love me. And for anyone listening, your trial and suffering don't mean that God doesn't love you. If you are God's beloved son or daughter, nothing can separate you from his love. Applying this to moms, you know, a child's rebellion doesn't separate us from God's love. Mistakes that we've made in parenting don't separate us from God's love. A child's illness, struggles in school, you could go through, you know, postpartum depression, none of those things that can feel so dark that can throw Mm -hmm. lies at us of like our own weakness, our own unworthiness, whatever it is, like our own lack of faith, those things, they're not going to separate us from God's love. 
because it comes from him. Yeah. So just speaking those kinds of truths. I mean, every truth and lie that's on this chart are things that I've experienced or they wouldn't be in the book. And there's so many more. That's right. (laughs) But those are a couple. (laughs) Well, and I think too, like I will talk a lot of times, like as far as in with my friends, you know, be really careful Mm -hmm. not to throw Band-Aid Bible verses at people in their sorrow. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. having something like a list. I have a bookmark in my Bible mm-hmm. that um, is just about our identity, like mm-hmm. who we are in Christ and who we're not, who Satan tries to convince us. Mm-hmm. And having something handy like that personally, or giving a list like that away to a friend to say, I love you, I'm praying for you. And I think that this will encourage you mm-hmm. and fill your life with truth is mm-hmm. such a gift that sometimes we don't even know we need, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not it's not us sweeping it under the rug, but instead it's just a nice tool to give someone because the reality is we do want to fill our mind with truth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be so hard when you're hurting if someone yes. else just throws it at you without feeling like they're listening, yes. you know? And so I appreciate what you said, because I mean, even for me, it resonates with me. And I mean, I have trials too, but just Mm -hmm. listening, like I need to be reminded that the trial is not the real enemy Mm -hmm. because that's when it gets really dangerously close for me being like, well, God, why do you do this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not that I don't ask those questions sometimes, but coming back around to, okay, hold on. Mm -hmm. You know, we are impacted by the effects of sin in our life, but that does not mean that God has forsaken us or that he doesn't care, uh, those types of truth. And so when you think about that in trials, um, when you think about knowing God is actually doing something in mm-hmm. your trials, that they're not necessarily the problem, but they're purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that bring comfort to you versus like frustration? Or maybe it's both. oh yeah I mean there can be lots of frustration wrapped up in trial um along with other things you know but it's okay (laughs) (laughs) and God understands doesn't surprise him but I love that we can run and we can confess it to him and Mm -hmm. you know if we say we've not sinned you know that's not true we have but we can come and bring that sin to him and he's faithful to forgive us but I think we can also quickly turn around and we can ask him for help. We can ask yeah. him to help us with our frustration, with our fear, with our unbelief, uh, our anxiety, whatever it might be. And I do, I hope that that tool is helpful. It's in the book, but I don't know if you want to include this in the show notes. Um, sure. It's actually available as a PDF on my website as well. So people just want to download that chart. I would love to share it. And I think it's my publisher actually put it together as like a PDF. So it's really a lovely thing to share. Like if you're part of a small group and you just want to encourage other ladies. So that's available. Just make that. (laughs) I will. I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. For sure. And then just to, to answer your, um, your question, like, how does it encourage me immensely, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. immensely to know this isn't the end of the story that God is doing something that these things that we're going through are not going to be wasted. Um, that's Mm -hmm. a huge encouragement and makes all the difference. And whether I would love to see them not be wasted, like in the next year, in the next five years, I would love to see God make something good out of this. I think of, uh, 
Romans 8, 28. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's a verse, you know, that can be thrown out like a band aid. Mm-hmm. Like, well, God's going to work everything All for things good, together for those who love him. And it's true. And I think right. we need to hear that truth. He will. But sometimes depending on how it's presented and the yeah. timing of how it's presented, it can feel like a band-aid, but it's also true. I'm very right. grateful that for God's children, none of these things are going to be wasted, that he is going to use it. And I love the verse in Corinthians. I'll look it up real quickly. You're fine. <laughs> is it the one where it's like your trials are producing perseverance yes. and perseverance? Um, a little different, but yeah, okay. it's similar. Well, I mean, I cling to that one at Here times, we go. right? Like yes. to say, okay, then Lord, I hope this is what you're going to do because right now it does not <laughs> feel like you are producing this in me, but I believe you, you know? <laughs> yes. No, I was thinking of second Corinthians four, um, 16 through 18. So I'll just read it. So we do not lose heart mm. because that's the temptation, right? It's mm-hmm. just to lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And that's one of those good things that God can do when we are in a trial and we come to him and we're bringing them mm-hmm. to him and we're growing in our relationship with him, even in the heart. But this is like the crux of it for this light momentary affliction. And it doesn't feel light. Mm-hmm. It feels very heavy. Even things, you know, we can be tempted to compare our trials, even in motherhood else's. to someone else's. Mm-hmm. So it might be like, well, it looks really small compared to someone else's, but if it's what you're feeling and if it's what you're going that's through, right. it's still your trial. That's it's right. still that's right. something that's grief worthy. Um, it, but, and it can, might not feel light and it certainly doesn't feel momentary because it, it's what you're living in. At, yeah. in any given moment. Right. But it says that it's preparing for us. It's doing something. It's working something. Mm. And what it's preparing is an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I think if someone is walking through a trial and they can walk through even something really hard, and keep their eyes fixed on the Lord, that is just a huge evidence of God's gracious work in that person, um, that God is keeping them even in the midst of something hard. And um, I just love this promise for that person who's doing that, that there's going to be an eternal weight that like, we can't measure like anything on one end of the scale is going to outweigh, you know, just the glory, this eternal weight of glory is going to far outweigh anything that we've walked through here on earth. So, yeah. And don't beat yourself up. Right. Because sometimes I'm like keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you feel like you've turned your gaze, look back again, Mm, Absolutely. you know, look back again. And And he welcomes you with like open arms. Yes. Yes. Uh, It's such a beautiful thing. You know, it really is. But so tell me this, when unexpected sorrows turn into, you know, months and years Mm -hmm. and you're just weary, like you just said, like these momentary afflictions, well, they don't feel so momentary. They feel like this is, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been caring for the disabled child who just keeps getting sick. Um, And Mm -hmm. I see her suffering for years on end. Do you have any encouragement for those people? I do, but it's, it's hard to even know if my words are enough for that person. I just want to say, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. doesn't heal things. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and I can't 
walk in and help that person bathe her child Mm -hmm. or I I can't offer practical help that way. Um, So I can be sorry, but sometimes sorry doesn't feel like enough. Mm -hmm. But I think the comfort is that she is seen by the Lord. Mm -hmm. The Lord sees everything that she is doing to care for that child. Um, There's nothing that goes unnoticed, even if she feels like it's just the same thing day after day. Psalm 139 has been such a comfort to me. We are searched and we are known. And that would be a fearful thing apart from Christ, because (laughs) the fact that a holy God can search us and know everything that's going on in us would be very, it would be very scary to me if I didn't know that he searched me and he loved me and he sent his son to die for my sin and loved me even when I was a sinner and he still loves me. And he, and just to know that there's someone even if nobody else gets it, even if I don't get what this woman is going through, you know, there is someone who understands her perfectly, who understands her situation perfectly, who knows when she sits up, when she lies down, every thought before it's in her head, every word before it's on her tongue, no matter what happens to her or to this child, you know, wherever we go, there's all these if phrases in that Psalm. If I go here, if I go there, wherever I go, his hand is going to be with me. There's nowhere I can go that he's not there also. So I think uh, the comfort for this woman is she is seen. She is understood by the Lord and he is with her right where she is. Even if no one else gets it, even if there's no doctor that can explain what's going on, her hope is in the Lord and she's not forgotten. Um, He doesn't forsake his own. So for his children We already said this, but nothing's going to separate her from God's love. Mm -hmm. No matter where we are, no matter how hard it gets, God is faithful. My words feel empty and flat, but God's words um, have authority. And um, I just would hope that that would comfort that woman. Well, and I think in situations like this, where you get weary, this is also where God is gracious, the time we're living in can feel very chaotic because we have so many resources for things, yet there's certain little things there's not enough resources for, so you can feel kind of left out. Mm. But when you're so weary in something, I think about like Nancy Guthrie and how she has, Mm. you know, the grief weekends for people who have lost their child. And sometimes we just need to take that step to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do some soul care Mm -hmm. and it's not going to set me free completely. But I'm going to spend two or three days with people who just know what it's like. And I'm just going to get filled back up, right? Like sometimes we just need to find the respite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're in yes. the dry and you're in the weary land. Can you find the oasis? Right. Like, you know what I mean? So maybe it's asking right. someone to care for that child, or maybe you have an addicted yep. adult child that's so far away and you feel so hopeless that you got to maybe find that monthly small group where you can just go and be with other women who are so broken over that. Yet mm-hmm. you all flex your muscles together, right? It's the community of God supporting one another. And um, I think we forget that sometimes that God is providing these little oases for us, you know, and we have to kind of search them out, mm-hmm. not because there's going to be forever freedom in the land of the living, but a moment to refresh yourself, right? 
Mm-hmm. Right. That can be so helpful. Oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, I'm so thankful mm-hmm. for things like that, that are easier to find now than they once were. So, yeah, I, you know, thank you so much for writing just a resource for people to take a look at and say, yeah, motherhood isn't all daisies and roses, (laughs) 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 but that we can trust God in it. Um, I know as we close out here, I know one other thing that, you know, you do talk quite a bit about is how we, we do sometimes forget that when our children experience pain, it's easy to think about all they're going through and not care Mm -hmm. for our own souls. Mm -hmm. And so, um, are there any little things that, that you have done? I mean, I know you cry out and lament, but are there any little practices that you have that kind of keeps, you know, you continuously connected back to the Lord in saying like, no, like I'm wounded as well. Well, I'm trying to think practices. Um, I know like regular gratitude is one for me. I have to do that, but yeah, no, I think sometimes I'll have that aha moment. If I've been walking through, you know, a couple days and then I just realize, oh, these I've been heavier these last few days. Like sometimes that aha moment is like, it's time to turn on some praise and worship music and stop listening to myself and start listening to songs about the Lord. And that will help me refix my gaze on him. And I think just having time, like you said, you know, that has been helpful, like the one-offs to be able to set aside specific time, personal retreat, even just to be able to take time and process kind of what's been going on. If life has been moving too quickly to slow down and do that in the day to day, Mm -hmm. which can be hard, especially for someone who's in a caregiving situation. Um, So to find that kind of respite or time to carve out for that. But yeah, to your point, just, I think you're right. I think sometimes we can be so focused on attention, especially as a mom, if we have a child who's struggling, we can be um, so focused on giving the attention to that child and even praying for that child, asking other people to pray for the child that we can maybe not be as aware, especially over time, how like the impact that it's having on us and being able to slow down and acknowledge. And I think that's part of my hope, even in this book to acknowledge this. I don't want to measure them, but it could be a small, or it could Mm -hmm. be a larger grief that, or hurt that a mom's walking through related to motherhood, but to recognize and acknowledge all of them and to be able to validate like life as a mom in a fallen world is hard. Mm -hmm. This is part of the curse, (laughs) you know, that it's not just labor and delivery or an extended difficult adoption process that causes pain there, I believe is just a pain that comes with being a mom and loving this little person Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. much and wanting so many good things for that child. And I think just, um, mothering in a fallen world is hard. And so being able to acknowledge and recognize that, and I, I think doing that then, rather than just pushing through, if we slow down and we take time and say, oh, this hurts, this is hard for me. I think that then can open us up to the realization like, oh, and God wants to meet me here and he wants to help me Mm -hmm. here. So I don't have to just keep walking around trying to push through this. I can ask him for help. I can ask for his comfort and he's longing to meet me here and speak truth to this part of my heart as well. Mm -hmm. So Well, Katie, thank you so much for being here, for taking the time away from your 
kiddos that you're homeschooling to sit down with me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for this opportunity. I appreciate it too. Creating a habit of speaking truth to the lies we often face has been a tool of transformation in my journey with Jesus. So I appreciate that Katie shared that with us today. Now that you've finished the episode, head to graceenoughpodcast.com slash survey and fill out the listener survey before you forget. It's open through May 23rd. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.